That's right. Well, I was not violently ill, thank goodness. And so I was able to make it through uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which uh, is on Disney Plus already. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, it's like, oh, this is this is here. Seems okay. like they fast tracked it. I wonder if it's because it was shitty or because <laughs> it was just we weren't interested and it just came at normal time. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's a good question. I mean, it, it came out in February and I think it was probably the normal time. Like it's generally been like a 90 day ish kind of thing mm-hmm. they've done. So maybe it is actually kind of a normal, a normal time. But was it shitty? That's the real question. Um, no, it wasn't oh. shitty. Um, was it, was it shit though? Did it have problems? Yes. Um, which which I'll get into. This is going to be hard because we have never done a mini flicks on a Marvel movie. And we've never talked for less than two hours about a Marvel movie. So. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But I will talk for less than two hours here, not only because it's a mini flicks and I really should, but also because it is very hard to talk about any Marvel movie without spoiling things. And I don't really want to, you know, spoil stuff in the movie. Um, but that makes it very hard to talk about certain parts mm. of the movie, as you would imagine. So um, the premise of the movie, you pretty much can glean from the trailer. You know, it's basically like Scott Lang, Ant-Man, you know, it's all like, you know, he's he's back with his family. He's kind of enjoying life. Um, he, you know, he's he lives with hope. Um, he's got his daughter, Cassie, you know, and uh, Hank and Janet are there. You know, everyone's back and they're all having a grand old life. Um one thing that isn't quite covered in the in the trailers that that I guess you could say at the beginning is that he is a little bit estranged, not estranged, but he and Cassie have somewhat of a strained relationship. And it is because she has kind of in her teenage years become like kind of an activist, um, like in the opening part, she he like bails her out of jail because she was like sent to jail because she was like um, they were like trying to the police were trying to like clear a homeless camp. And she kind of like got involved with that, trying to keep him from doing it and ended up getting hauled off to jail. But anyway, she's kind of disappointed with him because like after everything he did, he's kind of just like he wrote a book like uh, about his time with the Avengers and like about all that kind of stuff. I forget what it's called. Look out for the little guy. There we go. That's what it's called. It's like his Hmm. memoir. Um, And he just kind of like is enjoying like going on book tours and just kind of like being happy. And she kind of feels like he's sort of like given up and isn't like doing anything to like make the world better anymore but anyway can it can a dad enjoy retirement i know right but um i'll I'll get to that actually um but um she has like secretly been working i guess with um hope and hank to like build a device that can kind of like map the quantum realm so they can explore the quantum realm without going into it Mm. so it's like it's almost like the equivalent of like sonar in like the in the deep sea like mapping around so it's like something like that mm. but like professor x shit no professor x <laughs> hey, he puts his hat on and he can go find all the mutants not exactly <laughs> no one's no no one's putting on a hat and no one's finding anything anybody okay. really but um but basically um the way this works is it's kind of sending out a beacon and then collecting data and going back and it turns out that there is someone in the quantum realm who you know, if you're sending a beacon there, they're like getting a signal and they pull them into uh, the quantum realm. And this is someone who Janet Michelle Pfeiffer has known the whole time. And it kind of comes out that they, you know, it comes out in this movie, like everything that happened to her while she was in the quantum realm, which was much more than just hanging around for 30 years. She like was like doing all kinds of stuff down there. 
Um, but of course, the the person who pu- has pulled them in is Kang, uh, as as you know from the trailers, played by Jonathan Majors, and he's the antagonist of the film. And um, I'll kind of leave it at that a little bit because I don't want to get too much into the plot. Um, so let me talk about let let me talk a little bit about it, and then if you guys have more questions or things like that, you can ask me. Um, so here are the things that I thought were kind of issues with this movie. You know, because because I you know like you said, this movie was not all that well received. Certainly not for a Marvel movie. I think he got the worst reviews of any Marvel movie, maybe except for the Eternals, and um, and did not do well at all at the box office for a Marvel movie. I think it made like two hundred fifteen or something domestically, which is very low for a for an MCU movie. Um, so a couple issues I had with this movie. Um, probably first and foremost, um. There, when you think of Ant-Man movies, Ant-Man or Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, what are the first two things, or or, or what are, what are the first things you think of? Like if, especially if you think of like what do, what do I like about those movies? Oh. I didn't see Ant-Man and the Wasp, but I think charming it was, Paul Rudd, yeah, goofy humor. Right. Okay. So that's one of the things I want to talk about. This is not a goofy humor movie, with a couple of exceptions. There are a couple of places that I thought were legitimately kind of funny, but it is really lacking that tone of levity hmm. that both of the first two Ant-Man movies have. Um, and I think it like really suffers for that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not deadly serious either. It's just kind of there for mm-hmm. portions. Like the tone is just kind of like, it's more of like a stuff is happening kind of movie for a while where it's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, they're meeting these people and then they're going here and then they're right. exploring that. And it's just like, no, like you're just kind of being pulled along and it's a little bit like, this would be good if there were like more jokes here in the middle of this. Um, I don't feel like Paul Rudd is given nearly enough space to actually be funny in this movie. Mm. Even the parts that I think are funny are not him. Mostly the other person who I think is great in the first two Ant-Man and the Wasp movies, especially as a comic relief source is Michael Pena as Luis. And he's not in this movie. Mm. And that is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I guess that's a spoiler, but he's not in the movie. So, that's a shame because like he's great. I love Michael Pena in these movies. He's not even here, so it's I love like Michael Pena. Was... Period. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I mean, but I, I like that's a great role for him. Um, so he's not in the movie. So I think that's one real problem with the movie. The other one is that like until probably about two thirds of the way into the film, there is not a whole lot of Ant Man action taking place, and by that I mean it's like there's not a whole lot of like shrinking and getting big and like throwing things at like goofy things and watching them become big and small which is the other really cool part of the ant-man movies you know it's like it's fun seeing like thomas the tank engine become giant or like you know in the second movie they have the whole lab that they can shrink down to the size of briefcase and carry along and like like that kind of stuff's cool you know and like you don't get much of that at all you get it a little bit in the end and it's more in the service of like you know the big fight and like that kind of stuff um there's some decent stuff they do with it towards the end but like they don't have that either. And I feel like those are two big missteps, in my opinion, uh, in the movie. So like that alone, I feel like is kind of what made the movie kind of like hmm. lackluster in my mind. Cameos? I don't care about spoilers. Do you, Paul? For cameos? I don't care. Yeah. No. Any Anybody, any other Avengers show up? No other Avengers show up. There is a... I don't know if you guys would know about this or not. They show it in the, in the movie. Um... All right, I'll, I'll I'll give this one up and 
Oh, there is a cameo at the, in the post credit scene as a cameo. I'll, I'll get All to right. that at the end. Yeah. Um, so the one thing that I thought was kind of inspired and I it led to m- maybe my favorite scene in the movie. Um, and this is a spoiler for anybody who doesn't want to know and hasn't seen the movie is um, when they go down into the quantum realm, one of Kang's minions who goes after them at the beginning is Modok. Uh, so Modok. Yeah, Modok is in this movie. Uh, Modok, you've probably seen Willie right at some point. He's like the giant head thing that has like little arms and little legs and like flies around. Modok is an acronym that stands for mechanism design, what me- mechanical organism designed only for killing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mechanized organism, something like that. Okay. Designed only for killing. Anyway, turns out Modok is none other than Darren Cross. Corey Stoll from the very first Ant-Man when he got zapped into nothingness at the end of Ant-Man, he went into what? the quantum realm Kang found him and made him into Modok. Um, and it's kind of inspired. It's like, like he pulls off his like Modok mask and it's like Darren cross with this. It's like Corey Stoll with his face, like ridiculously stretched and looking all weird. And they get a good amount of like just body horror humor out of it. A little bit of like everyone, when they see him for the first time being like, Darren, like what the hell happened? <laughs> like, um, he, um, Again, some more spoilers. He, towards the end of the movie, he is convinced to join on their side finally, and he like makes a heroic sacrifice and dies. And his death scene is probably is my probably my favorite scene in the movie because it is like it, it's got three I would say kind of laugh out loud lines, which is that like he is like laying there dying, and they go over to him, and Hope has not seen him up to this point in the movie, and so she gives the obligatory like, "Is that Darren? Like, what happened?" And, and he goes like. He's like dying, he's like with his huge head, and he's like, Oh, you changed your hair. <laughs> so there's that. And then and then he goes, he and and like Scott says, like, thank you. Like, you know, you 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 redeemed yourself. And he's like, Scott, I always saw you as a brother. And they all like kind of look and Scott's like, You did? And then, and then he like touches his face really weirdly and like kind of pets his pecs. And he's like, I guess you did. And he's like, And at least I got to die an Avenger. And then like, and then again, like, like Paul Rudd's kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 man. Yeah, you, you're you in. You did it. <laughs> so it was it, 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 it was like that kind of humor that was like just kind of missing from the rest of the movie. Mm. Uh, the other thing I would say that I didn't like about this movie is that it fell victim to the. The old. uh I always think of this from Lost. Um, the old like character isn't telling other characters about something just because they're not supposed to until the plot deems it convenient for them to do so. Oh, sure. That's an Evangeline Lily special or what? It wasn't Evangeline Lily this time. Right. Um, it was excruciating. So basically, like, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer like knows about Kang. Like the 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 idea is that like she actually like met him in there and like kind of inadvertently helped him come to power in the quantum realm um, without knowing it and then realized what he was and like kind of fought against him until she was rescued. In, Don't in blame Ant-Man me. I voted for Kodos. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Where, where is Kodos the conqueror? That's what I want to know. <laughs> We're simply exchanging proton <laughs> protein strands. <laughs> um, 
Sorry, so, you're going to make really pukey bear stuff. <laughs> so, um, like, she basically, like, won't tell them why they shouldn't go in the quantum realm. And then, like, when they get to the quantum realm, they're, like, separated. Scott and Cassie are separated from Hope and Hank and, uh, and Janet. And, like, Janet's just, like, we have to find Scott and Cassie and get out of here. But she, like, won't, like, every time they're, like, what are you so afraid of? Like, why, who are we running from? She's just, like, we have to move. And, like, it's like that. And she's, like, this is infuriating. Come on. Like, give me a break. Like, just turn around and tell them what the fuck is going on. And it's all in service so that, like, after they're, like, almost captured and, like, are away, there can be a whole scene where she's, like, I should have told you this from the beginning. And then, like, there's this long flashback about here's what happened, blah, 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 blah. Super annoying. It, it's really annoying. Um, the other thing I don't particularly like is Cassie in this movie. Like, I, mm. I just, like you said, the thing can't the dad enjoys retirement. I did feel like there was some of that where it was a little bit like, why? Like, he, like, he kind of did save the world. Like, it was his, the time heist was his idea. He was the one who knew the idea of going into the quantum realm because he had come out of it and, like, that that could work. Like, it's like he, you know, and, and they like make fun of it. He mentions that and they like, they're, you know, they're kind of like, oh, you saved the world. Like, you've never talked about that. It's like, did you know Scott saved the world? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a thing where it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, he did save like trillions and trillions of life forms or like help to do so. It's like, I don't know. It's like, are you really going to go on his case about like not helping people? Like, I don't know. It, it felt like it felt weird. And it also felt like. I didn't really understand it, even with a five year absence and stuff where he was gone for five years and she wasn't and all that. It didn't make sense with like how loving their relationship is in the first two movies. And I understand she's a teenager and there's that part of it, too. But like, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me that their relationship would be strained. And I found her kind of obnoxious through most of the movie. Maybe some basically like was their their relationship was strained because that's what the movie needed it to be. Right. Right. So that they could get together again. But like, I don't think that they like, I don't think they really built that up well. So the like the payoff kind of didn't matter. So like what works in this movie? um, I'm sad to say it in light of, you know, what we know is going on. But like Jonathan Majors is fucking great in this movie. (laughs) Like it's it's he's he's just a really good villain. He's super compelling when he's on the screen. He's on the screen for a decent amount of the second half of the film. And it's just, he's really good in that role. And it, it kind of, you know, it's really fun to watch him. You he's know, problematic. In, in that role. He is. Unfortunately, he is. But purely in terms of his acting in this movie, he does a great job and, and makes, like, he is a very compelling villain. And, um, and I would say, like, you know, that the character like as the movie goes on and like the plot comes into focus a little more i think it becomes more watchable overall Mm -hmm. i would i I would i would say the movie gets better as it goes on i don't i wouldn't say it ever gets great but i would say like the first half an hour or so it was kind of like like come on like i don't like how any of the characters are behaving and like i want to just like get to like something going on here like they, they they like wait forever to like get you to kang but then once they do, like the last half of it, I think is like quite a bit better. Uh, than Can the first you answer half. this question without spoiling it? Which is, um, can you answer this question without spoiling it? Which is, 
when the movie wraps, do they defeat Kang? Is he still around? Do they do they set him up to be in other movies or like yeah, like I don't know how to phrase it without without like queuing me up, queuing us up for a spoiler in the movie, but like is it clear that he'll be around for more movies after this one? He will be around for more movies after this one. Okay. But I, how about I how about I stop at that? <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's a um there's a mid credit scene which sets that stuff up and then there's an end credit scene which has a cameo that I'm assuming is from another Marvel thing. Like like the way that like I think I think at the end of the original Ant-Man like one of the end credit scenes is actually a scene from Civil from Captain America Civil War, War where uh uh Sam and Steve are talking about like who they can recruit for like what becomes like the big civil war airport battle. And then like mm-hmm. Sam goes, it's like, ah, I know a guy cause he battled Ant-Man and it's like kind of the way of being like, Oh, Ant-Man's going to be in there. So there's a similar kind of scene in this. Um, should, I, should I tell you what it is? Should I just say what that one is? Cause it was sure. a good, I, I, I liked the scene, put it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a scene that takes place in like 1901. Oh, and it's like sepia toned and it's like this guy on stage talking about, I don't know, like something about time. And his name is Victor Timely. And then the light shines on him and it is obviously a variant of Kang because it is Jonathan Majors. And he's got like kind of this old timey like suit and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And then it cuts in the audience and it's Loki. And he's like, that's him. Like, that's him. And then Owen Wilson is next to him and he's like, you made it sound like he's like this like horrible, horrible guy like that guy. And like uh, Loki's like he is, and then it's cuts and it's like okay that has to be a scene from Loki season two, yeah like it has I love to be that yeah yeah so that was I thought I thought that was cool <laughs> when I saw that I was like oh that's cool because I want to see Loki season two very badly yeah so if they I'm, I'm curious if you know you, you mentioned you know the Jonathan Majors are problematic so if they were gonna pull you know a roadie and just straight up recast him who do you think who do you think they should put in that in that role Cheadle, of course <laughs> <laughs> we did it before <laughs> that'd be awesome um i don't know it's a good question I mean, you've seen like, you know, like, like it's, it's, a, it's a similar, you know, the similar acting in a way to like that last episode of Loki where, where we see Jonathan Majors, like that kind of energy, like that kind of like sort of wackadoodle, like kind of like energy going on. Like, I don't know who embodies that well. Will Smith. Will Smith. Well, I mean, do you, do you try to do that or you just, you just don't even worry about that and you just put somebody else in there? Probably. I mean, you probably just put somebody else, but I, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it's like time travel and multiverse shit. They can do whatever they want, right? They can say, oh, this is a variant or whatever. They can. That is that. That is true. They can do that. They can even like hang a lampshade on it a little bit and note that it's like, why do you look different or whatever for whoever, I guess they would say that too. Um, yeah, because I mean, they're going imagine... mean, to bring in the X Men that are going to look different, and the Fantastic Four are going to be different than the Doctor Strange ones we got. So, 
Right. And they've also, you know, they've already through No Way Home, they've already kind of set up the idea that it's like, oh, yeah, like the, the things you've seen in past movies are just, you know, they, they, they can also exist. They're just in other universes. Right. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. Here's all these different Peter Parkers who are different. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, it's like the fact I mean, I know I realize that this came out um, before I think all these allegations came out, but it's like they already filmed that um, that what do you call it? That Loki, I think the whole season of Loki. So it's like, are they just going to keep that? I guess. I don't know. I mean, it maybe depends on how these allegations like completely play out. 